Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I'm joined by Elizabeth Pritchard, who is topping all the Alternative Data People Moves lists at the moment, following her announcement as the new CEO at Bitfor. Elizabeth is well-established in Alternative Data, Having first entered this world as global head of market data at Goldman Sachs, she went on to co-found Crux Informatics and then White Rock Data. In our conversation, we talked about her experience at Goldman, as well as some big picture thinking around the future of alternative data. I began by asking Elizabeth to describe exactly what Bitfor does. Sure. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to share about Bitfor. So Bitfor is a is a company that's been in the unstructured data space uh, for the last oh, seven years or so, uh, and the company is known for extracting intelligence from unstructured data. So applying NLP, uh, machine learning algorithms to you know, tens and tens of thousands of sources of unstructured data and making sense of it and then providing that those insights to financial institutions. Um, and the company started in the muni space and is now um, sharing and providing insights to financial institutions, both in the ESG space as well for public and private companies, alerting them to growth and risk events. Can you expand a little bit on the fact that it started in the muni space? What what, what would that have looked like? Sure. So when you think about um, participants in the muni market, the, uh, both uh, in the secondary market, you where... Mean the, you mean the municipal bond market, the, right? Yes, the mun- municipal bond market. Um, the uh, market participants are looking for in- information, intelligence, so they know where to price price a bond, uh, and also so that they can have an understanding about the risk in uh, their portfolio where they've already made a purchase. So both trading institutions, front office traders, as well as investors who are holding muni bond positions want to know, I mean, there are millions of QCIPs of municipal bonds. And so it's very difficult to get an understanding, kind of the needle in the haystack problem. So you want to know where um, within a particular, um, let's call it an obligor, right, of a bond, where there may be particular risks in your portfolio, either that would affect the price, right, or the um, even the longer term risk of holding a particular bond in your portfolio. And that was the first unstructured data offering, right? And so they can get events, they can get alerts as to what's happening in their portfolio, re- almost real time. So it's using NLP, so taking text essentially, or, or, or NLP I think can be used on, on spoken word as well for like tone and things, um, but using NLP to uh, take meaning out of data. So so today, what kind of data would they be, will you be um, be taking meaning from? What kind of data will be going into the into the machine? Sure. So the sources are uh, major news sources, as well as local news sources, as well as professional journals, technical journals, you name it, uh, where there is 
text that's been written from a, I'm going to use the word qualified or certified source. We don't, we don't mine Twitter, for example. Uh, what we do is we mine uh, established sources of information about, about companies, public and private companies. And there are, there are, you know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of these sources in the world that we are continually mining. Uh, so ESG is, is one aspect. Is that, is that the main focus or are there other, other types of outputs? Yeah. So there are a number of different types of themes around which we collect data and then interpret that data and develop scores for specific themes. I mean, they could be um, M&A activity. They could be the ESG themes that yeah. you're mentioning. And so there are a number of different themes. It could be, you know, um, specific sentiment around a particular company, which could be tied to their ESG indicators. It could be glass door reviews. It could be product innovation uh, through looking at their social media. Well, less social media, more product reviews, patents. It could be labor growth uh, index where uh, we're taking a look at job postings and the like. So it, it could be regulatory, uh, such as a an industry type of score or index by looking at tax regimes, competitive pressures, uh, you know, regulation, evolving regulation. Uh, so, um, so there's a number of different themes we look at. And then depending on the use case, the customer will say, okay, I'm really interested in, you know, the product innovation index, because that's going to be a factor, kind of a growth factor, if you will. Or I'm interested in, you know, the risk for a particular industry around, you know, increasing uh, regulation. So there are a number of different themes that um, we are tracking and then developing scores around. And so customers can have access to the data or they can have access to the data and the scores. And we see customers wanting both. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and so you, um, you, I think you've been an advisor with Bitmore for a little while. What, 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 what attracted you to this opportunity? What, what, um, what, what got you on board? What made you excited? Yeah. So, so when we look at what's happening with data, right? When we look at what's happening with the growth of data, the largest, um, corpus of data that's being created day, you know, day in, day out. And, and the fastest growing segment of data growth is unstructured data. So we need to have a way in the world to be able to interpret that data. If we're going to have the most rich insights about what's happening now. And so we've got to be able to extract knowledge from the unstructured data. Okay. So that, when I learned about Bitfor and I was introduced to them back in 2019, I found that very um, uh, impactful, that they were very deeply focused on this problem, extracting value from you know, this giant corpus of unstructured data in the world. Mm. And, um, and so that, that, and then I, and then I met the team, uh, this is when people are traveling around, right? So I flew out to, uh, Irvine, California, and I met the, the leadership team. Uh, and, um, you know, we just, you know, connected and super impressed by their talents and capabilities and their technology. And that's when I started, um, my advisory relationship with the company. It strikes me, um, 
so I, I read a um, I read a book about entropy uh, and how the universe is going to end last year, and the fact that essentially time is the is is things moving gradually from order into chaos until all all that all that remains will be chaos. It strikes me that what you're describing that Bitvor's doing is trying to reverse that process. Like you're taking chaos and and bringing order out of it. So um, it's for me, he was left feeling rather bleak after reading that book. Um, this is a very hopeful message that you guys are, are fighting the fight. Yes, it's you know I'm I, I'm imagining um, you know all of this data that we're just really trying to lasso right yeah. and bring it into a you know a structured form so that it can be you know we can make sense of it. Um, so in, you know the challenge is the uh, the corpus continues to increase, right? Um, yeah, no, there's more. There's ever more chaos. There's ever there, more, so and it's always and it's faster and faster, right? So. Uh, Best of luck with that. I think that sounds like a very exciting, uh, exciting challenge for you to, to undertake. So congratulations again. Let us go back now then, shall we? And, and, and study kind of where we come from a little bit more. Um, because you're at Goldman Sachs for a very long time, um, from uh, back from, two, from 1996 all the way through to 2015. So you're a, you're a Goldman Sachs lifer for a while. But for me, some of the most interesting time of that, and for and for us alternative data people, um, was the moment when alternative data hit Goldman, because you were kind of uh, you were in a in a relevant position at that point, and you kind of saw it firsthand. Would you mind just just kind of running through a little bit how you first came across alternative data and kind of how it how it entered your your view and also en- entered Goldman Sachs's view? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had a long run at the firm, uh, Goldman Sachs, and um, it was a fabulous, uh, a fabulous. Um, let's just say um, a for- formative. I would say formative uh, time. Uh, learned just uh, a ton from a, an amazing group of people, and when so I was at the firm. From uh, oh, that's what we used to call Goldman, the firm. So um, <laughs> capital I was T, capital F. <laughs> right. So, um, so I was there from '96 <clears throat> all around the bank. I uh, had a number of roles in, in uh, working with data and tech from '96 to I would say uh, to about 2004 or so. So I'm going to say I was at the firm, you know, eight to ten years in various roles in, um, in middle office and treasury. So I learned about payments, learned about, you know, client positions and, 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 and the use of the data, you know, trades, trade flow, all of that. Right. And, and work with data and technology across all of those, uh, parts of the firm and saw the importance of, of data, uh, to driving business outcomes, uh, in a financial institution. And then I, um, was asked at the time of the collapse, that was around uh, 2008, I started getting involved in data more full time. And, uh, and when I, when I uh, took on the role of the, of the global market data seat, I started learning about, you know, the, the many, many different types of data we brought in as a firm, which you can imagine across a large financial, financial institution like Goldman spanned you know, every asset class and every type of uh, financial franchise, right? All the way from investment banking to asset management to institutional sales and trading to operations to risk management to compliance 
uh, and I know I'm leaving some things out. I'm sure. I'm sure. Don't worry. But but no, but Elizabeth, it's it strikes me that so right now in, in 2021, data is a magic word. You know, I was talking to a, I was talking to someone from a leading corporation to two years uh, who was saying that two years ago, their corporation identified data as being like a primary strategic asset, you know, the word data. Um, my a question I have for you is back in whatever it was, 2008, 2009, was it seen as a magic word within Goldman Sachs at that point? Or was it just another stream like which is part of the functioning of the bank? Like how important was this as seen? And, and did it have that kind of uh, halo that it has now for, for everyone? Yeah, so I... I think the the when I took on the market data role, the bank was realizing, well, first of all, uh, with the crash, you know, there was there was a there was a complete focus on cost, right? <laughs> and when you look across financial institutions, the cost of data is ginormous. I mean, it's just if you look at the infrastructure and you add the content costs, it's like the the two or three biggest cost you know, beyond people and buildings um, that uh, financial institutions um, have, you know, on their, um, you know, their income statement. So uh, it's a giant expense. Uh, and so market development's up there as well. Just quickly, was it was it fragmented, that expense, or was it generally towards one major information provider? Sure. So the expense at a, at a, com- a company like Goldman was highly diversified, highly diversified across, um, you know, not only the form that data is consumed in, such as a desktop or a, a feed um, or delivered through other um, distributors um, or, you know, direct from vendors, but also uh, the type of content, whether it's prices or whether it's reference data or whether it's alternative data. And when I took on the, the role, the alternative data was already being brought into the firm. This was, you know, what was this, 13 years ago or so? Uh, so, so like, for example, the commodities business was already bringing in very unique forms of, you know, at that time, unique forms of data to inform, uh, to inform price uh, discovery, uh, such as uh, marketing, you know, market demand, uh, as well as supply uh, of commodities. And that was, that was, you know, from my recollection, the earliest um, the earliest moments I came in contact with this new form of of data or new class of data, uh, as as well as web scraping, web data collection, versus you know the classic forms, you know what we we've come to now call foundational forms of market data, such as, you, you know, corporate actions or security master prices, fundamental data. And so that was, that was 13 years ago. And so there are players on the street who have been working with alternative data. Uh, I would say even before that, right. Uh, Gold, Goldman was certainly um, in the earlier days. Uh, and uh, for me, it was it was super eye opening because it, it was the beginning of this journey now that I've I've been on to, um, you know, figure out, OK, what the, the data sources that can come together to form a view of the world um, now. Right. Versus. Yes, you can look at a fundamental um, data source, balance sheet, income statement, cash flow about the performance of a company. But there are so many other sources of data that you can get to inform that view. 
So it sounds like um, alternative data kind of enter Goldman Sachs kind of through the commodities channel. Um, and you're, you were talking about kind of demand and, and supply of, of commodities. Were there any um, innovative, can you, can you, are you able to remember kind of what kind of data sets we were talking about, which were, which were showing that picture? Yeah. So, so I remember, so, so one of the things I had, I, I, um, uh, you know, disciplines I put in place in, uh, in market data, it was very centralized at, at, at Goldman. It's very centralized. I know some firms have it more decentralized at Goldman. It's very centralized, meaning any, uh, business that wanted to license data, it had to come through my team. Uh, so, so there was a there was a uh, pairing up of the economic user and the, the the business analysts, and then the 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 sourcing team uh, were um, you know working together very closely. And uh, one of the practices I put in place was for any any uh, licensing of data, I needed to see the content. It had to accompany the contract, and you know. Because that's where the value is. The value is in the content. So I wanted to understand every content source. As if you and wanted to see the data. I wanted to see the data. I wanted, wanted to play with it. There you go. I wanted to yeah. see the data. I wanted to understand the data dictionary. And I wanted to understand the use case. What is this What is this uh, content yeah. used for? What's, where's the economic value to the firm in this content? And I remember... Uh, I remember... My eyes were so open. My light bulb moment was when we were when I saw data. Uh, when I saw data about um, you know the levels uh, in these um, refinery uh, not refineries but um, uh, oil storage tanks, right? And 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 the, and I'm like, well, how do they get this information? Well, that's the plane they fly over. I mean, this is, you know, everybody knows this story now, but for me back 13 years ago, you know, they've, they've got this beacon thing that, you know, is coming down from the sky to figure out the inventory levels. And, you know, now it's old hat. The I spoke to Ursa Space for this for this podcast, and they do do that from space. They kind of ping the because the lids float on top of the oil tanks, don't they? right? So they can ping it to see how high it is to know how much oil's in them. Yeah, and there was another one which was um, that came along with that use case, which was the uh, the um, the data set right where where they're trying to figure out the traders trying to figure out the supply of electricity uh, v the, versus the the demand and. They had people going to rent apartments near um, energy um, generation stations, you know, and measuring the vibrations, which wow. they were able to then, you know, had the algorithms to figure out, you know, kind of the output. You know, to me, that was just fascinating because when you look at the world, you can get so much intelligence, right? And, and we know this now through uh, alternative data. There's so much intelligence you can get from the operation of the economy. And so that, to me, was was fascinating. And so you were there for you were doing that from '09 to, to 2015. So it kind of came across your bows in terms of um, commodities. Did it? Did it? Did you see it expand? Extend, sorry, extend across the bank to other to other departments? Was was alternative data kind of picking up steam internally? Yes, and it. You know, it's funny. We didn't call it alternative data. We just called it. It was just. It was just new data sources. And um, yes, and so so it it transited from 
so that was the commodities. And then, yes, it went across it, the trend, went across other desks and the, um, the asset management team, the asset management teams who were, you know, really uh, trying to get an understanding, uh, again, of, you know, good investment ideas, uh, both from a, both from a fundamental standpoint, uh, as well as from an algorithmic standpoint, uh, new data sources, well, data period, you know, became very, very uh, important. And the firm became uh, very focused on taking the data infrastructure to the next level to be able to accommodate this, you know, amalgamation of many more data sources. Uh, and that, so, so I would say asset management became very focused, uh, very deliberate, very focused, as well as, you know, uh, you know, just kind of uh, peeling back the, uh, the memory onion and um, as well as, you know, uh, you know, uh, understanding customers and understanding uh, customers' um, needs better. So I would say that it started to really, over the the time period from '09 till I left, it was becoming more and more and more pronounced and uh, and more organized, much more organized. So by by the time I left, it was it was very very clear that. The the that that Goldman really really was, um, uh, you know, be- going to benefit, benefiting and going to benefit by uh, masterful uh, masterful implementation of uh, data strategy, which would include the technology, the data stack, the mining insights, and the exposing of that, making that available to clients, that capability to clients. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. One more. One more question on 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 Goldman's and and this role because it strikes me. Um. Although, and you'd actually had um. You'd done work in a compliance role, compliance related role within Goldman's earlier, and it strikes me that your role within within Goldman's was kind of compliance for data partly you know it was kind of imposing the systems and kind of de-risking the process maybe and making sure that it all that it all functioned. Um. I've got a question, which is that we've just seen in the last um, in the last month or so um, a major uh, disaster um, happening to, to Credit Suisse, particularly um, around a compliance issue around around the Archegos um, capital situation. I just wonder: Do you think, as data becomes more and more prevalent, um, is there a risk that a chief data officer needs to be? Like might run afoul in the same way that a chief compliance officer can at a at a bank like 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 Credit Suisse or, or Goldman or or another one of these. Is there is there the same amount of risk or a growing? Is it is it coming up to the same amount of risk to be managing the data processes in any way, or is it just you know it just doesn't doesn't compute? It's a it's a completely different kind of world than than the compliance one. Yeah, that is a really interesting question. Um... It's a very interesting question. So, you know, when you're sitting in a when you're sitting in a data seat, such as a, a, a chief data officer seat, or even a data science seat, you're you're starting to you're starting to uh, see 
you know, much more broadly across the organization, or at least, you know, it, wherever your remit is, you're starting to, you know, the data starting to talk to you and tell you, you know, what's happening. <clears throat> and, um, and so, and so you're then in a position of, of uh, responsibility to the extent that you're learning things that you might not other, you know, your, your things that were unknown become known. Right, because you may have uh, a bunch of unstructured data. You may have, you know, um, you may have. Uh, let's let's use the example of supply chain, right, where you have you know thousands of third parties that you're dealing with, and now you're in a chief data officer seat, and you're starting to get your your um, organization, whether it's your you know chief purchasing officer or your vendor risk team, is starting to get information that you've helped establish and you're also privy to that information, um, you, your next things that were unknown are now known. And so you may see some bad actors that you didn't know about as beneficial owners, or, you know, you may see local risk it, because of, uh, you know, who knows different, uh, geopolitical threats or what have you. And if you don't take action, something that was unknown is now known and you don't take action, um, that it does put you in a position of, of, of risk, I would say. Potential liability. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that word because, because, of, because the situation, it's, it's so bespoke, right? Situation by situation, the regulatory requirements and your own business requirements and things like that are, are, are very bespoke. But I think it does put a, um, I think it does put a um, a set uh, or, or a um, an awareness and a responsibility to take to take action where because the data is now alerting you to these things to make sure you have processes and um, uh, you know a disposition process in place to take this knowledge and to to make sure that it's dealt with you know properly. So the risk, rather than in the case of the the situation I was talking about earlier with with Archegos and um, and Credit Suisse, there the risk is purely financial. You know, you mess up, then you lose a, an awful lot of money. But it sounds like, and and it would I would expect that um, what you're saying is that here the risk might be regulatory. That actually, if you make the wrong decision, then the 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 risk might be that your bank ends up um, falling foul of of a law, which is a fast changing law. Um, and uh, perhaps if you have knowledge of bad actors and don't act on it or, or, or something like that, then that could come up and explode. So it could be a, a more regulatory risk. Is that is that right? It could be a regulatory risk. It could, it, you know, it could be a financial risk, something like you are now in a situation where you're able to, here, here's a simple example. You're in a situation where you have vendors sending in you know, very frequent updates. And then they send you a notice that says, Hey, I'm going to change my schema. I'm going to, ch I'm going to insert a column and you have models that are operating off those data streams and you don't notice that. And you're making uh, trading decisions based on that data that is in portfolios of, you know, endowments and pensions and stuff like that, that um, that's, that's, that's a, a risk that, um, you know, that's a place you don't want to go. You want to make sure you're like super, super tight on um, understanding, for example, and interpreting change notifications 
Um, so that would be a that could be a regulatory risk. That could be a, a financial risk. Uh, certainly an operational risk. Um, you know, to add that to the um, you know the financial risk um, at at our Chagos. It could be um, it could be a uh, regu- regulatory risk in terms of, you know, uh, doing business with a bad guy, right? A bad actor on the OFAC list, uh, or you know, somebody in a country that had had you not peeled the the onion to get down to location of beneficial owner, you could you know get in hot water around. Yeah. So, so, there's so a lot. there's, there's a, lot, a lot there, yeah, in risk management, yeah, around your data streams. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. That was that was very interesting about your your time at Goldman. Following Goldman, um, you've you you've had a few lives, as I say. Um, you were you worked in uh, for AIG as as um, chief Opera- operating officer for science. Was that alternative data related as well? Were you still in the still in the world? Yes, I was still in the world. I um, I had the opportunity to uh, to help operationalize. Uh, and make more commercial, uh, if you will, kind of out of the research phase into the commercial phase of data science at, at AIG. And we were doing quite a bit of horizon scanning for data tools and data sources to inform risk models in insurance. So clearly models had been implied in the asset management side of insurance in terms of uh, figuring out risk Underwriting risk for commercial insurance, it was newer, a newer uh, phenomenon at the time or trend at the time that I joined AIG. They they had had a science team for several years, uh, which was established by the chairman, the CEO, and, um, you know, was, was really having some great early wins. And what we wanted to do was commercialize that and, and um, you know, to drive results more quickly. And so... In so doing, we were horizon scanning for all different kinds of data to inform, you know, commercial insurance. You could think of like roofs, you know, can we tell by the concavity of a roof whether or not there's um, there's uh, imminent risk that that roof would need to be replaced, for example. So that would be, uh, you know, say satellite um imagery specifically on rooftops that would just give you an example sorry it's the first time i've come across this so you're you were insuring obviously and insuring a building and you were using satellite imagery to try and work out whether your insurance policy your the the premiums you were charging etc were correct based on the 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 judgment of the the state of the roofs from from satellite imagery is that is that right we i would say that we were uh we were evaluating the efficacy of that type of data. Yes, it was it was um, quite uh, quite eye opening in terms of um, in the physical world what type of data was available at that time, and of course a lot more now to be able to then bring into uh, models that could evaluate and, and project risk, and therefore then be fed into an underwriter's calculation, if you will, to determine the price, the, the premium pricing for uh, commercial property uh, insurance. Interesting. 
Interesting. I mean, insurance. We, I, I had McKinsey on the podcast before, and um, one of the, one of my guests was very much focused on the insurance market, and it completely makes sense because insurance basically is statistics, isn't it? And an alternative data. Well, I mean, machine learning is advanced statistics, so it completely makes sense that these that these techniques would make make would make sense in insurance. Um, fascinating. Excellent. Excellent um, place to move on to. Um, after AIG, you went to Crux, which, and you've, you co-founded Crux, I, I, I beg your pardon. And um, Crux is a friend of the podcast. We've, we've had them on, so, um, and we've had um, Philip on, so we know Crux well. Um, and then um, White Rock Data, where, which has, which, uh, what, what have you been doing at White, White Rock? Sure. Yeah. So after I left, I left Crux, I wanted to... Crux is a data delivery company, as as you know, and um, you know heavy emphasis on on data engineering uh, at at that um, transition from the supplier to the customer. And what I wanted to do was, you know, my passion is to get the data into the use case to inform the use case to drive business outcomes. Okay, so I wanted to get and and at, at Goldman, my my favorite. Uh, my favorite um, part of that experience was working with the strategists and the quants to understand you know, what they're trying to accomplish and figure out the data sources, help them figure out the data sources and bring that data in to inform their use case to drive value, right? Okay. So, so what I wanted to get back to the use case after Crux. And so what I did is I formed, um, well, I dusted off. I had White Rock, uh, as an LLC in um, in Florida, where um, where I where is is my full time residence, and uh, and so I, I dragged that out and uh, and uh, started letting people know that you know I I was going to uh, form this company to uh, focus on um, advice advisory solutions to data vendors and to financial institutions around alternative data, and this was co- coincidental with me joining the board of Eagle Alpha, and. Um, so yeah, so that's what I did. I uh, I went out and started uh, doing my research, getting getting close to, you know, speaking with portfolio managers, speaking with quants uh, again about how they were using alternative data, and uh, and and um, you know, very uh, thankful. I Bit4 was one of my early, early clients, and uh, yeah, and uh, and then that was uh, well started um, kind of late nineteen, and and then January of last year before COVID. And then have had a had a have had a terrific set of clients over the last um, about a year and a half. Uh, alternative data data vendors and tooling uh, suppliers, data tooling suppliers, and I have been I and my team have been providing go to market advice around uh, licensing alternative data to finance, and it's just you know it's just been fantastic. The 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 richness and um, uh, you know of 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 data that's well, you know I don't I don't I don't need to say to you and your audience but it's just you know every day I come across a new data set it's just it's just quite amazing what we're able to capture in the form of intelligence and then finding that right fit who cares about this data is this data you know, make any sense? Is this data additive? Is this data of value? And who are those people that care about it? Uh, making that that match. That's what we've been about uh, over the last uh, year and a half now before Bit4. 
Finally, what, so looking at, you've, obviously, you've been alternative data for, for you know, for a long time, uh, maybe not quite since the beginning, but for a very long time. Um, you've seen how it's been developing. Um, and so you've got the benefit of, of a lot of hindsight. Looking forward from where we are now, um, what do you see as the, the kind of the big trends on the near horizon? Um, and also, as a follow-up question, what are the big challenges um, that need to be solved in order to achieve kind of the greatest future for alternative data? Yeah, uh, that that's a great question. And, and I'm glad you raised it because I really want to talk about it. It's, um, s- all right, so it's getting data to flow to the use case. All right, so more and more use cases are, um, the, 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 the mechanism is algorithms. So the data needs to flow. The data needs to be AI model ready uh, to to uh, take into the uh, exploration right of the data, and then set up that data and get it prepared for the algorithm for the model. And when when you look at the the market growth, you know north of forty percent of AI driven software, as well as supply of data, the the need is to what I see the need is to be able to get this data prepared for the algorithms. Okay. So when we look at, that's a big thought, right? And it's, it's not new to the world, right? We're out there talking about it, getting the data AI ready. Okay. So what we've got to do is we've got to get the data structured. We've got to get the data clean. We've got to get the data tagged, organized, uh, you know, um, We've got to be able to separate it into, you know, the various training sets, holdout sets, you know, test sets, et cetera. We've got to, we've got to get the data in that uh, form that the algorithms can easily access the data. All right. So when you look at the, but the last I heard was like 26 different sources, and I'm sure there are more, or not sources, types of alternative data. When you look across that, and then you look at, we've got to be able to, it's the aggregation problem, right? We've got to be able to bring that data together around an entity that finance cares about. That entity could be a public company, a private company. It could be a um, an individual, an officer, a director, uh, for example. So we've got to be able to take all of these sources of alternative data and have that data ready to be able to be attached to, it, to something that... Um, finance cares about, the use case cares about. So getting the data to be AI ready uh, is, 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 a, is a need in, in the industry, the aggregation problem. Okay. So, you know, it's the, the identifiers, it's the mapping, it's the co- concordance, it's the developing out the data dictionaries, all of that work. It's, it's underway. You see it, it's underway in the industry. Um, and we need to, we need to bring it to a level where the data uh, is much more ubiquitous, uh, and that, and we separate the commercials through, and we structure the commercials in uh, digital rights management way from the mechanical distribution, so that customers can get that data wherever they want. They may want to get it from a large data provider. That's fine. They may want to get it from te- a tech cloud provider. That's fine. From one of the tech data exchanges. They may want to get it direct from the data vendor. They may want to get it from, you know, data delivery uh, uh, companies. The data needs to be able to be available 
for wherever the customer is set up to receive it. Do you have a do you have a view on what you were saying in terms of taking this kind of this this data and then making it relevant by kind of pinpointing or, or condensing it down to or, or mapping it to uh, a thing that finance cares about? That process of of kind of mapping it down to or, or kind of um, pinpointing it to, do you see that process ending up like when when this market is mature? Um, do you have a view as to whether that process is likely to happen? by the data provider, by the data buyer, or by a middleman? I think that this process is going to be, it's going to be, um, It's. I don't think it's going to be a, a monopoly. I think it's going to be uh, a number of top firms are uh, going to, you know, firms are going to rise to the top through, through uh, choosing this vision, choosing this direction. And, and being able to bring the unstructured data together, structured with the uh, structured alternative data with the foundational data is going to be key. And I think that data providers are uh, moving in this direction. You'll see the large aggregators are moving in this direction. And I think you know, that's great. And it's going to work for some funds. I think, you know, in financial firms, I think that what I'd like to see and what we're taking on it bit for is, um, I'd like to, to, uh, see, uh, uh, establishment of capability in the industry for AI ready data across any kind of source, not limited to a provider. So more of a, um, agnostic approach where your the source this the the source could be any of the uh data sources whether they're proprietary or open so that a uh financial institution doesn't have this problem of trying to knit together a zillion sources um so so i think that data providers are going to they're already doing it they're already trying to bring together multiple uh, sources, uh, uh, even from outside of their company, you know, a little bit more kind of co-optition in the industry. Uh, so they're trying to do it. And then you have other entities such as, as ours, uh, bid for as well as, um, you see other companies doing this, you know, doing the same thing. Great. Because, you know, it's, it's a giant ocean of data and right. And so we need, we all need to be chipping away at this problem so that we can address the the need in in the world, which is AI ready data. And oh, the challenges. Can I talk just a minute about yeah, the go challenges? On, go, on, go, go, go. Okay, so 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 the AI ready data, right? So what does that mean? So I think the commercial the commercial structure, the 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 market structure around commercials for data, I think needs need to um, be reinvented. Uh, there, there's some green shoots in the industry, but I think basically uh, we need to move to a world where uh, data is more consumption-based, data pricing, uh, the cost of data is more consumption-based, and it is, um, and data product design is more, let's use the word composable, or I use the word sometimes data products on the fly, right? And so the the world is moving more towards let me let me get at a large corpus of data to feed you know my AI models, and and then let me figure out 
what's most valuable based on my use case at this moment of time. So, you know, I think composable and um, composable data products, as well as um, consumption-based pricing are key. And that's a whole nother conversation we can have (laughs) about the construct of the industry um, being, uh, you know, moving towards that is is going to be... and we're already moving towards it, but I, I think it's going to be there. The customers are going to demand it more and more. Elizabeth, you've just done a teaser for um, the next time you come on the podcast. We'll have a we'll have a whole conversation about that. Um, alternatively, um, you should come and uh, join us on Clubhouse every well, one Wednesday to uh, to talk alternative data. We've got we've got one every Wednesday at three p.m. London time, um, and all are welcome to talk alternative data. So maybe that could be a forum if I can if I can persuade you. Yeah, I'd um, love to. Sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Elizabeth, um, that was a really interesting rundown, really great history, present, future, all things alternative data. So um, so thanks so much. I, I really, really enjoyed it. My pleasure, Mark. And congratulations again and best of luck with a new role. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.